and welcome to another episode of The Cup Interviews. My name is Jillian Robinson, your associate producer, and today we have a fabulous interview in store. I am so excited. Our interviewee has been a role model and inspiration for me over the last few years and continues to flood our stages with his brilliance and grace and humility. I'm honored to say we have Andre Sills joining us today. Andre, how are you doing? Good, good. Pleasure to be here. Glad to have this time to have a chat with you. And uh, yeah. Of course. We're so, so lucky to have you. Um, so let's let's jump right in. So of course, we'll start with our icebreaker. What's in your cup today, Andre? What are you sipping with us? Well, I won't, I won't open it right now since it's earlier on in the day. But something I just found recently that was actually very, very tasty and delicious give a little plug right now collingwood freestyle double chocolate milkshake porter okay and i just realized yesterday that it's a limited release so i'm gonna have to go in and get some more before they take it off the shelves um is that in the lcbo yeah yeah okay. it was delicious i don't know i guess as soon as it starts to get a little cooler um kind of like dark beers and stouts um during the summertime might be something different uh, but yeah i guess as the weather is changing like I, I i've had one can of that so far so after i had that i was like gotta get some more yeah I'm- everything in me not to drink it last night but <laughs> just to have it available to talk about it today yeah, I'm a huge craft beer connoisseur myself too, and I do like to segue to the stouts and porters as the air gets crispier. Yeah. I think um, one of my favorites is a chocolate peanut butter porter back in my hometown of Windsor. It's um, Craft Heads Brewery. Okay. Really tasty. Chocolate so. peanut. Anything with peanut chocolate butter. to do with a stout or a porter, I am all in. <laughs> um, so I guess I, I'm kind of on the the sort of. Uh, baked good train as a drink as well. I have mm-hmm. a cinnamon black coffee going today with my nice. fall oriented mm-hmm. mug. I'm feeling, I'm finally feeling folly. So I thought I would <laughs> indulge in that today. Nice. Um, perfect. Okay. Well, great. So um, tell us about yourself, Andre. Like, how did you get into theater? Um, yeah. All the things. Well, I guess for me, it started pretty early. Like, and I guess as any sort of R&B singer starts off, they usually start off in the church. And I kind of had the same story. Not a singer. My younger sister is a singer. She's an opera singer. You can look out for her, Yanelle Sills. But yeah, that's another story. She's blowing up the scene. Um, But um, yeah, I guess the church that we went to as a kid, it was in Scarborough. It was a big church. And they did Christmas and Easter productions every year. So I remember the first time I saw it, saw one of the productions and I was like probably like six or maybe even younger. And um, I've told the story before where I see like this particular Easter production, this kid runs into the arms of Jesus, picks him up and they both raise their hands in the air. I was like, I want to do that. And then (laughs) the next year it was me. And then I just kind of caught the bug and I wanted to do more and um yeah I, I guess throughout throughout elementary school into high school i was doing a lot of that and doing some stuff at the school um at at high school as well and you know coming to the time when you graduate trying to figure out what you need to, want to do um 
I think the acting world is really just calling out to me and, and like, thankfully I had parents who were supportive and as they have two out of the five kids who are in the arts and, um, yeah. So, but they said, if you're going to do it, you got to go get your training. And, and I went to George Brown and did their, their three-year program and, and yeah, so I guess that's how I kind of got started was the planting the seed in my head as a kid of seeing, I guess, the essence of what theater can do from a very young age. So, um, yeah, I, I guess that's how I caught the bug and have continued to want to do more and continue to challenge myself. And, um, yeah, so Great. love it. I love that. I love hearing an origin story, um, see where we all come from, what inspired us, what sort of blasted us off to where we are now. So great, mm. so great to hear. Um, so speaking of theater, on a more recent note, uh, you just played Bottom for a Midsummer Night's Dream at Stratford this past summer. So um, that's Stratford, along with some other theater companies, bringing theater back to a live setting. And um, it was an outdoor performance, but still it was bringing us back into the live sphere. So what was that experience like, um, character-wise, or even just the fact of coming back to live performance after post-lockdown? Well, it's 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 so funny because um, there's so many, so many parts in the canon that I've never thought I'd get an, an opportunity to play like Coriolanus and then um, this past year bottom and um, I remember when that particular offer came I was like huh because hmm. I've, I've I've done the show before I've played Oberon I've played snug the joiner um, and yeah so this is the first time where you know taking a look at bottom his part or his particular journey really for the first time in in trying to figure out as i say what his journey is what is it about this man that needs to be changed um and yeah because i guess in 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 my history of being in the show seeing the show i always just remember bottom being funny 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 show's done and um, I was like, is that all it is? <laughs> and, you know, the, the whole journey through this particular production was the word I keep using for this past summer or the year plus of COVIDness is interesting. It's loaded. It's neither good nor bad. It could be good. It could be bad. But like we, we had quite the journey of being the first show back at Stratford. And, you know, we were set to start rehearsals in May. And right before we started rehearsals, Ontario released the unlocking the three step unlocking plan. So we started off on zoom. And for for actors out there you know you you mentally prepare to start something on a particular date and it's not just in your mind but your body is ready to go so like our first couple of days i was in a mental and physical 
uh, mess <laughs> because the body is like, this isn't what we signed up to do. And the brain is like, okay, let's, let's take some time. We have some time to mine the text and all that sort of stuff. But the body's still wanting to go. Um, and then it, we, we ended up spending like three weeks on Zoom. So that was a lot. Um, and then because we weren't allowed to be in person as of yet. And then when we were allowed in person was just all the protocols that were thrown at us of, and we got tested three times a week, which was great and a great thing that we were able to do. And, um, but yeah, it seemed like, <laughs> you know, I kept saying to myself, like, I'm so happy to be here, but then like, it felt like death by a thousand little, little cuts. of just kind of like, we're doing it. We're doing it. You know, try and try and keep stay positive as best as pos possible. And um, so it was nice. There's my cat Duchess. Um, it was nice to when we finally could get in person to to get back to the work. And, you know, it was still kind of hard with all the variables of being masked and being outside and and what the weather was doing at the time. But you know, getting back to the play was 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 really cool and really taking on that that challenge of what is what what about this man needs to change? Because mm -hmm. the only thing I think the whole purpose of of it is if if it's the same bottom after meeting Titania, then what's the point? Um, something about this this fairy goddess creature being is the only thing that can transform him um, or that experience. So yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. And like the one thing about it that was funny is that um, because we were outside because of, of the nature of the elements, because of the nature of how our canopy was, the one thing I I kind of threw away was subtlety. <laughs> I don't think there was much room for it. Um, it was interesting to kind of see the a trailer for uh, the production that they did in England, where I guess their bottom and I guess Oberon ended up falling in love in that particular one. And it was interesting to kind of watch their trailer and just like, huh. Subtlety. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> but it was it was hard because like the space was big. Um sound disappears, even though we're mic'd, you know, and we have audience on both sides. So there's aspects of the show that we have to play here and we have to keep moving. And you know, that that sort of energy or you know for for the live experience is 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 great um i think it's a little harder to capture on film but you know at the end of the day i think for our first journey back on stage it was it was it was a lot of fun to step into that part to bring theater back to 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 Stratford and yeah. open the Tom Patterson parking lot. <laughs> it was so good. On, 
I didn't get a chance to see, unfortunately, Dream in person, but I, I just <laughs> recently saw Serving Elizabeth and I Am William there. And I totally get what you're saying about the canopy. It is a lovely space that they concocted, but um, I noticed this, especially with Serving Elizabeth, it was quite, it was quite a windy afternoon when I went. And um, when those, when the panels of the, the tent hit the wind, it's a large noise. And yeah. like being a performer, um, I guess like thinking like when you're in a theater space, obviously there's soundtracks, there's like coughing of the audience, there's stuff that you just are kind of um, listening out for and just kind of letting hit you and go. But this sort of wind effect was so rigorous and yeah. such a loud noise that like, I was sitting there, I was like, okay, that's gotta, it's now kind of becoming part of the show. Right. And like, it was interesting. I was like, oh, go wind. Because honestly, it would happen in like the peaks and dips of the, of what the characters were experiencing. Like oh, it was cool. the, the one scene um, uh, uh, where there was like a lot, a lot of con- confrontation happening on stage and it was actually the windiest part of the afternoon. And I was like, that's really neat because it's like adding sort of like, the climate, right? Like pathetic fallacy yeah. to what's happening. Yeah. Um, but I, I would imagine, like, I totally could imagine, like, that's just one other thing to kind of sort of thread into your character work or your journey on the stage like that, because it's hard to ignore. And, yes. and I like what you say about like subtlety kind of goes out <laughs> the window because I think, I think people have been like aware. It's so, it's so interesting, like coming back in person I think people know that it's kind of we're starting back again in person. So it's not that there's wiggle room per se, but I think there's like almost like an awareness of we're all in this together trying to do this thing again. And so um, I just find that it's great. It's almost like to me, it would be like an extra playground element for the actor to be like, well, you know what, if we're out in open air, then like I'm going to take advantage of this and shake things up a little and, yeah, make things bigger, make things louder. Because, right. Like well, you said, it, yeah. a question for you. What time of day did you see it? So I saw Serving Elizabeth the um, 1130. So like uh-huh. the lunchtime one, 1130 right. a.m. Mm-hmm. And you you say you saw two shows. So and then I saw I'm William, the 8 p.m. one. Okay. Yeah. So it's, we didn't have Dream 2, like I guess our times were 3 or 11, 3 and 6. Seven. Um, but it's so interesting. Like we didn't have too many of the seven PM shows, and the difference of what the the Stratford sort of white noise is. Eleven, three o'clock, very noisy. You hear, you hear the streets. You hear the ducks. You hear the lawnmowers. You hear cars. You hear people walking down by the water. The 7 p.m. hits. Not many people are driving around. The atmosphere outside gets quiet. As the show goes on, you actually get a sense of your lighting design, maybe for the first time. Um, so, like, it was interesting to, like, we, we only had, I think, a, a couple of, 7 p.m. shows, but we had, I think right before we filmed our our show, we had a 7 p.m. And I think that was probably our most magical performance. Um, because the energy is different. 
think people have had their dinner. The day is, for the most part, done. And this is the last thing we're going to do. We're going to go watch a little show and have some fun and enjoy ourselves. And the town quieted down and the lights came up. And yeah, it's 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 interesting because like with with the audience being socially distanced, um, like usually when you're in a theater, like keep hearing vo uh, voice teachers uh, or coaches saying, you know, in a theater, the audience will breathe as one. Um, and in in our particular formation this past summer, the breathing as one was different. You're breathing as one in your own little pod of either one to four um, because everybody's so spaced out. So it's a different sort of like a, a rolling effect. Of, well, I don't know if rolling is the, the right word, but it's just the energy is different. Yeah. We can see the audience. You can see their faces. You can see that they're with you, but it's a different thing as opposed to being side by side like complete strangers and feeling the the collective yeah. the, the 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 energy of the collective was just different than what you would normally get in a theater so i'm not saying it was bad it was just different so it was that, just one of those things having to 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 clock for ourselves and just saying they're there they're just there in a different sort of a way than we're usually used to to me like i'm just i'm curious what your thought of this is because like i know that's something we totally forget about is the the audience sort of existing as this one unit traditionally yeah. usually underneath the same theater roof right and basically the only thing separating us from the audience is the stage the front of the stage right but we're all kind of in a shared experience so i wouldn't i didn't even think about that of um sort of as the art as the artist as the performer instead of looking out and seeing this unit and sort of like a sea of heads together, there are like gaps. Yeah. And to me, like, I don't know when I, when I perform, I'm always, there's always something in the back. And this is probably just like the people pleaser giver in me. Like there's something in the back of my head. That's always like, um, it's not like, it's always like, I'm, I'm doing this for the audience. Like I'm doing this, I'm a vehicle for that. Yeah. So I didn't even think about that, but, that, but seeing those gaps and stuff would, did that did that impact your your performance like like did you like to me i i would feel like i i would that that sort of back of my head would be magnified because it would right. be like even more so i need to sort of thread this together well i don't know well like, no it was it was interesting in the sense where, where i say it's different and and you know <laughs> sometimes with the big collective you kind of like oh the audience is great tonight or what the hell is wrong with yeah, the yeah, audience yeah. <laughs> Um, but what was, what was interesting is that because we never really left the stage in, in dream, I had a moment where, you know, Oberon is right in front of me on our, um, box, our caravan box, <laughs> if you will, um, talking to Puck or getting his plan ready to, to, to put the love juice into Tanya's eyes. Um. So I'm behind him crouching down, doing some Foley or waiting to do some Foley. But at that time, I can look to either side and see the audience. And it was in those moments, it was just kind of like, okay, they are there. Right. They're just, instead of like big bellowing laughs, they're just kind of like, 
that was that was that was cool like to them yeah, yeah, yeah. like beside them and just just little smiles of delight and um yeah so it was it was just different it was just a a more a, maybe reserved or how do we do this again sort of energy <laughs> you know so it was it was they were there they were just there in a different sense of you know how we had all left theater i guess at the beginning of 2020. Crazy. It is crazy how the space has sort of like adapted itself. I, I think there's going to be so much literature coming out of this sort of segue phase of mm. being going from everyday, quote unquote, like, uh, um, I don't want to say normalcy, that's not the word, but just like the routine of what live theater was perceived to be yeah. into lockdown and then thrown back into the space. And obviously we can't ignore that there was a chunk that was missing. Um, so it's clearly generates great discussion. Yeah. Um, and everyone's experience has been a little bit different too. That's why I, I love asking and talking about this, this conversation. I think it's important we talk about it too, especially because it is so difficult to kind of jumpstart ourselves. And I think it's healthy for folks to talk through it, talk about it. Um, yeah, and everyone's experience has been so different. So. Speaking of that sort of halting period, that lockdown period, I think a lot of us sort of, um, you know, to stay as immersed as we could in the industry, wore different hats or went back to old hats that we did wear um, and just sort of made, created how we can, how we could. Um, and you pumped out a really um, interesting, lovely web series, Private Idiots, where you produced, wrote and starred in. Um, so tell us more about that project. Like, what was that experience like? Origin well, story content. Yeah. That, that beast was a bit of a three headed monster where it was myself and two other, two other, um, creators, um, Oliver Ward and Dennis Nicholson. Um, yeah, it's like those guys, I guess, are, are really the driving force behind it. And well, not well, they are. So Oliver is uh, the one who initially created this concept of these two guys in the car. Um, and I think our f these are these are two older characters, not older, old characters of ours that we've done years back. So I think our first time doing it was maybe 10 years ago as like a three minute short, which was called sensitivity training. Um, and then a couple of years after that, we did sensitivity training two with a little bit, I think that one was like about a 10 minute short. Um, <clears throat> and the nature of it was, and at that time, Oliver was the one who was writing all of them. And um, so I guess the last time we really touched it before Private Idiots was 2013. So it was like right before my my son was born and and then life got busy and uh, Oliver moved up to Huntsville and he's been doing a lot of things up there. Dennis is a uh, very active sound guy. He was on he was one of the sound guys on um, Jim's Convenience and he just finished up working on The Boys. Um, <clears throat> so 
Yeah, we and and then I think it was around that time that I got into the Shafas for for the first time. So we all kind of like went this way and over the years, like, yeah, let's get the band back together. Let's get them back together. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, and the way it worked out was, you know, 2020 started. And then I think if I recall correctly, I think soon after the George Floyd murder, Oliver reached out to me and he's like, hey, man, um, I think it's time maybe to get these guys back together, get back in the car and get them working on some cases. And I was, and this is him saying he, he'd started writing a couple of episodes, but one of the things that he was really apparent, uh, aware of now was that he was writing my voice without having any insight from me. And so he's like, and especially with the way of the world right now, I think I really want to, you know, a lot of what these guys do are a, maybe get something wrong, very wrong, but you know, they're, they're battling ideas out. And, and I think we want to, we want, he wanted to get Steve's voice downright. So, yeah, so, you know, that's what started the, the initial plot back or the initial idea of getting, getting us back together. And Dennis is the one who has directed on, on the first sensitivity training. He was just a, I think he was just a sound guy then. But then for the second sensitivity training, he was our sound guy and director. And, uh, so coming back, we over 2020, early tw- or mid 2020, um, we created a a writers' room, and between the three of us, and you know, pitched a bunch of ideas here, a bunch of things that are happening throughout the year that we can comment on, and write on, and you know. And at that time, I wasn't writing anything. And the the idea of, you know, do we comment on the George Floyd murder or do we skip over it? And as we got to it, I was like, I think I want to speak on that. And, and yeah, so them giving me the opportunity to really put my voice on that was 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 cool and you know it's also pushing a line it's like the one thing i was very aware of was like i'm not i don't want to make fun of the situation i just want to point out this the underlying frustration that is bubbling up in inside of some people right now yeah. and um while at the same time being able to have a release of humor mm-hmm. um and then the was it Karen Contagion was also the one that I wrote too. So it was nice to have two back to back to kind of like um, build on the story and kind of put my voice in. And I think those two guys have have had a a little bit more experience in the writing field. And you know, I think it was just a cool opportunity to hear what the as going back to the bottom, what their journey was, how we started the show, 
and where we where we were ending off at episode nine um and yeah so it was it was it was really cool and like it really was my saving grace of 2020 because you know i was supposed to be at stratford that year doing much ado hamlet and my big one that last year so last year would have been wolf hall and yeah once it went away i'm like what the hell do i do now and then you know trying to figure out how to reach out in a world that is like just screaming at each other and screaming at each other with not much listening and um the one thing i i think we were able to 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 do is despite what our opinions were i think these two guys at the end of the day were able to listen to each other um and somehow continue on as opposed to you're cut off that's it i'm not talking to you anymore you know it's maybe it's just because of the job (laughs) but you know the ability of just kind of like you know your your ideas are a little bit far-fetched but but i don't know they're able to listen and talk and have a dialogue and maybe have a little bit of growth and and yeah so like that was that was such a treat to do and you know self-produced and like like hats off to oliver and and dennis because those guys are like technical geniuses in regards to how you shoot and like i said dennis is a sound guy he's he was also the director and like all of our shoots consisted of in total unless unless it was our last episode of four people me and oliver in the car dennis outside with his sound gear and then we had a dop on site so there's four people for like all episodes except for episode nine where vienna dr dr lynn steps into the car um but yeah so it was a lot of dialogue (laughs) there's a lot of talking so like that was that was Pardon? Just without spoiling the, because folks can check this out on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. Um, without spoiling the whole plot. Um, uh, but I mean, and maybe this is giving away a little, but it all happens within a car, like these conversations. So I, I, when I was about on, on episode three, I watched the series um, and the idea of them being in a confined space, talking to each other and yeah. having these sort of big discussions and listening or not listening. Again, it was so, it was obviously what they were talking about was resonant of, of what, what is going on in our world today. But the fact that it's in a confined space had its, another layer because we were all in lockdown in our houses yeah. or, and forced to be in conversation and situations that um, are maybe uncomfortable or, you know, or, you know, with your lockdown with your families yeah. and, um, you know, you start mixing views, you start discussing certain things and one person says another thing, another person says the other thing, and then there's your conversation and it's not like you can go anywhere because you're under the same roof. And so that, that was very, um, so like the, the setting, the atmosphere of what was going on too was exactly mimicking, I think, what a lot of folks were feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so check it out on YouTube, everyone. It's yeah. definitely 
something to and oh my gosh only four of you on on set like whew. yeah <laughs> well we i think we generally did about i think we generally did about two episodes a night okay. um so that would be like roughly around 20 pages of dialogue that we'd try and get out so we do the first one and just take a break and just like okay let's run lines for the next one um but yeah it was it was a lot of fun and i think well we have we have the hope to do more and you know find a way for these two guys to get out of the car to kind of like blow up the world a little bit more and and yeah so we'll see where where steve and boise land in the future Um, okay, so we talked about recent liveness. We talked about the mediatization that sort of became our focal point over the last year or so. So I'm going to take us back even more, cycling us back to Stratford, mm-hmm. your experience with the stage. So you've done several seasons at the Stratford Festival. Mm-hmm. And while we're on the topic of repertory theater, you've also done several seasons, as you've mentioned, with the Shaw Festival. So what has your experience been like at these two sort of landmark Canadian theater institutions? Um, great. Like it's, it's again, about the journey, right? Um, they're, they're kind of like apples and oranges, or if you're of the Caribbean descent, I call it pineapples and mangoes. <laughs> uh, I like those two very much. Um, yeah, so they're 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 amazing places to work, right? Um, Stratford is um, a larger machine. I, I call them both machines. Um, a larger machine uh, with a the size of the stages, the festival Avon, and then the Patterson. I guess being I guess around five six hundred people, and then the studio. Um, Shaw, they have their festival stage, which I think holds about 1,200 people, maybe about that. And then uh, the Royal George, which is maybe about 300. And then they had the courthouse, which was about the same size, but they've lost that one as of a couple of years ago. Um, and this Jackie Maxwell studio. Um, which is about, I guess, around the same size. So they have, well, two stages now that are about the same capacity size, but different styles. So you have the festival stage, which is Presidium, the Royal George, which is a smaller sort of vaudeville type Presidium style stage. And then the studio, which is pretty flexible, but they, I guess, over the past couple of years, they've just kind of kept it in the round um but yeah it's 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 they're just different beasts you know as we're talking from shakespeare to shaw um the way in which those two playwrights take on dialogue is very different um different and similar different in I guess Shaw in, in the use of prose, Shakespeare in the in the way of verse, and you know, but also at the same time, the thought processes are very long and big. Um, they just have, I guess, a slightly different attack on it. 
Um, yeah, I feel like Shakespeare is a lot of this. Shaw is a lot of this. Um, and, but the one thing for me, I guess, in regards to the Shaw Festival, the plays that I've done there haven't really been a lot about this. It's, well, yes, there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying uh, the plays that I've done have been a lot about the heart. Um, like going back to my first season was the, uh, the Intelligent Homosexuals Guide to Capitalism and Socialism with the Key to the Scriptures, Tony Kushner with a three and a half hour play. Um, and then my second season was Master Harold and the Boys and the Adventures of a Black Girl in Search of God. Um, and then the next season was Madness of King George and An Octoroon. So like those three years in in general were pretty intense in regards to what was being asked um but yeah i think i think you know the the nature of of the shaw's plays in general i find them very ensemble based and you know, so there is there is a lot of and like I'm I'm I I may have mentioned before that like I come back I always come back to sports so sports is is a is is a team thing, um as as far as the sports that I've played, um so you need your teammates and a lot of the shot plays you have a big cast but there's a lot of dialogue going on with with a lot of different people Shakespeare the same thing but sometimes you know with title character play. You know, your main focus is that person. Um, so, you know, I find just the nature of how the plays that Char dealt with are very company-based. And sometimes the Shakespeare's are, we're looking at this one person and following that journey with a support of other people. But like, I, I, I as I say, going back to sports, I always try and come back to the team mentality of how we take on the plays. And yeah, so it's, it's, I'd say apples and oranges, pineapples and mangoes. Um, they're the two big machines, uh, one slightly smaller, but uh, I, I, I've had nothing but a good time working at at both of them, I guess, over the past couple of years, my first couple of years in Stratford were a little bit more frustrating because I was dying to be seen. And, you know, I was there for four years from like 2005 to 2009 and then wasn't. So I left and came to Toronto and hustled, hustled hard, you know, and then, as I said, like sensitivity training was up in the mix of that. Kim's convenience was up in the mix of that. Um, doing some stuff at Soul Pepper and and Obsidian and you know kind of all over the place, leading my way back or leading my way to the Shaw Festival, I guess in twenty fifteen ish, I guess around um, to about now, where trying to figure out what's happening next year, and I'm not sure yet. <laughs> so, um, but. Yeah, it's it's they're they're amazing places to work. 
um, given, you know, the, depending on what you want. Um, you know, if, if for me now, where I am now is like, what is, is, is it, is there a nice challenge? I'm all about the challenge right now. It's just kind of like, what is, what are the plays that scare me? Octoroon terrified me. Master Harold and the boys terrified me because I knew there was a huge cost to it. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it's going to require something of you to, to step into it and, and take it on as opposed to, you know, if you see a show, you'd be like, okay, that person went there or yeah. they didn't take it on. And we know it when we see it. And yeah, I, 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 I guess going, going back to, for me, like for rugby, I played rugby. So I was a guy who was an enforcer. I was a hard hitter and, you know, so that sort of instinctual sort of playing on the field is kind of what I want to bring on onto the stage when I can. And, you know, so if there's opportunities like that, I'm, I generally don't want to shy away from it. I want to find a way to take it on and, and yeah, I don't know. Cause, cause I think that's why we go to the theaters to, to see <laughs> people do crazy things that, so that we don't have to do them in real life, you know, and, or learn from, you know, those particular impulses, how do you overcome and yeah, I don't know. I, I think for me, the theater has so much potential of what it can do for an audience. I think it is is there to to make the world a better place. To yes, to entertain, but you know, I think there is something something about it that can be cathartic. As we come back to that word that we learn in theater school, <laughs> yeah. catharsis. Um, well. Yeah, yeah, speaking speaking to an Octoroon Master Herald, how I first saw you what in the audience was at Master Herald, Master Herald and the boys, um, and in Black Girl. I that was the year, the summer, um, my program, University of Toronto, Mississauga and Sheridan College, their theater and drama studies program. Um, we have a Shaw intensive course, which is like two weeks. Um, and we go to the festival, we see what shows are on, and alongside that, Professor Lawrence Switsky. Um, he lectures um, about the plays or about the histories of the plays, of the playwrights, of the social matters that the plays were written in and how possibly they are being adapted to today or put under scrutiny to today. Such a fascinating course. And I felt so honored to have the opportunity to do that. Um, and that was in between second year and third year of me. And uh, pretty much with I mean, with theater too, but with any other program in university, it's usually like between second year and third year, you're kind of in that period of, do I want to switch my major? Do I, am I on the right path? Right. And I didn't really have that, but there was, there was a part of me that was like, okay, is this really something that I want to do? Like, do I want to stay in the industry, want to stay in the arts? And then I went to the Shaw course and I was like, I'm home. Like this is my heart and soul and mind are all in one place. Like the right place, right time, everything. Yes. Um, and that season was delicious. Like there were so many awesome, yeah. fantastic works on stage that season. And 
Master Harold, like, you're so right. That was definitely a piece of yours and of James and Alan's too. I think of like, holy cow, like as, and watching it as like a theater practitioner too, it was like, it, it isn't just the character. It was like seeing, seeing you folks ha- like have to do the things that you did on stage as the actor. Like I, I have like empathy, sympathy for that. Like I, I, I find that sometimes when I'm watching works and the, the stuff on stage is so visceral or so, like you say, heart driven. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get even, it's like emotional of what I'm watching, but emotions times a thousand, because it's like what the actors as a team sort of produce and have to show. And, and it's so, but it, but it's needed and, and, and it's lovely. I know, I remember we had like a brief talk back with you all too. And, and just to hear like the chemistry that the three of you had on that for that particular performance was beautiful to hear and learn about because that piece in particular um, is so needed and, and is, it was an educational tool. Absolutely. And just, yeah. Yes. I'm like theater for a purpose, theater for, you know, taking old works, putting them, uh, I mean, and Fugard isn't terribly old, but just, you know, like how do we, how do we take, right? Like how do we take stuff even that's several decades from now and put it on stage? Um, and then I saw an Octoroon because I, I was I was following you and James and Alan and what were like I want to know what these people are doing, um, and uh, I, wow that that piece is yeah I I I I almost like I I don't wish it was filmed because it was one of those like you had to be there yeah but I just and I almost don't want it to be happening like that exact exact installment again because then I think that there's something about being in the audience live like with a heartbeat watching what you all did for an octoroon that was again like um so sorry I had to share my because I was in the audience I happened to be in the audience for both of those (laughs) where you're like that was full on heart thing and absolutely but um but yeah, it was, I was watching like, this is, this is what we do. Like, this is, this is art on stage. Um, there's so many layers. There's so much to, to sort of learn, to unlearn, to teach, um, to feel. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I had to, I had to just, well, and, <laughs> and those two shows, especially, I feel like their, their aim is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. One has like... Master Harold and Boys is a play written by a white man in order to trick his white counterparts in South Africa into seeing these two black men as humans. You know, and and it does that. And and it was banned. Um an octoroon an adaptation of a classical American play, The Octoroon, trying to do, well, wasn't trying to trick any anybody, just had a lot more frustration and anger. And, and you know, with, as we're watching a show where, where your audience is always looking for that person on stage that they can connect to and just be like, okay, he's, he or she is my safe place. Yeah. 
And I don't think they can necessarily find that because what would have been the hero is now me, a black person with a white mask playing both the hero and the villain. And the only white person, well, the only white person on stage is a, a, well, there's Dora, the, 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 the neighboring slave, uh, owner, a woman who is trying to marry the hero <laughs> of, of the play or, or get a grasp on him. And the original playwright, Dion Busico, who is now gone into red face to play a native Indian. And now he doesn't speak English. So people are left like the audience. And this is why I love Brendan Jacob Jenkins is, is he puts the experience on the audience. So there's no sitting back and relaxing, just kind of like, oh, this is a nice show. It's you're put in the hot seat for from the beginning and you're there for about two and a half hours stewing in your own sort of uncomfortability of how you deal with society. And and it's a big ask, <laughs> you know, and and you're confronted with a lot. There's a lot of images that are thrown at you and like, you know, me and Whiteface, uh, Ryan Cut Cunningham, who's an indigenous actor, is in blackface playing the black slaves. And then Patrick McCannis, who is in redface playing um, T, the 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 native Indian in the play and also a sunburnt <laughs> uh, auctioneer <laughs> later on the play auctioning off slaves off, off of an auction block. So it's, it you know, what it's doing to you, the audience is, is as I say, cathartic, right? Because it's, there's no escape. Where's the fourth wall in that show? I don't think there really is one because we're talking directly to you. Um, but with the same sort of aim of, you know, as you know, we're discovering in the world, how much photography has changed and what it can do in regards to justice or not, you know, you can record a killing. And in this particular play, the end result is we've caught the murderer on 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 tape or on 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 camera, and then the play is done because we know who did the wrong thing. But now that's not necessarily the case. We see it because what we see isn't necessarily the case, even though we see it frame by frame, second by second. Um, images flooding back into my my brain of if one of the the big monologues you did downstage and the background behind you was the projection and it was like seeing you and then have the projection of um the noosed individual behind you yeah. and that yeah yeah that's whoa uh-huh yeah yeah and adding that that layer Right. And what does it mean when you see something and you hear something or something that's in front of your, what do you believe? 
right, the thing that's in front of your face, yeah. I think, or is it any different? What? Yeah, there was so, so much, so much that that piece, yeah, that piece conjured, like did, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's and it's interesting because like, <laughs> like the whole nature of that photo is a fact. Mm-hmm. That particular um, uh, overhead projector. Uh, f- a photo moment wasn't something recreated as an actual photo from history. It's a fact. This happened. There was a crowd of white people at a lynch at a lynching of these two black men, and here we are today talking about the if we can use facts to prove things. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a word of very strange place where I, I like I I don't know I don't know how you argue things if facts aren't a part of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. I feel like I, I we're using know. that piece even to talk about the pandemic climate right now too. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stop fact checking. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. I th- what? Yeah. Um, Anyways, let's keep yeah. going. But yeah. Yes, so exactly. like, it was. It was uh, like that. That whole those two shows were such a treat to do, and you know, doing an octoroon very much helped lead to the next year where I did Coriolanus going back to Stratford since. 2009 so you know for any way to return back to stratford to do that show in that particular way was such a treat such a treat yeah that was lovely too and talk about visuals too the visuals with that piece was super neat and kind of looking back in it like ominously foreshadowing the blending of mediums because lepage sort of did it in a cinematic way but yet you're watching it um in in the audience so uh yeah and little little did we know we kind of would have to turn that direction as, <laughs> as the years went on. Yeah. um but also such a spectacular piece too um yeah so just touching on a little bit i mean we, we talked a lot about shaw and stratford um but you like you had peppered in earlier peppered no pun intended you have also done stuff with soul pepper and obsidian and crows um i guess just briefly touching on that like what what has that experience been like in smaller sort of companies um (laughs) well my 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 work with obsidian has been mainly solely with philip aiken um so like trying to think back was master harold was was the last time i worked with him I've them since. That, that was sort of like a sister production with Obsidian and Shaw, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like, oh gosh. Well, there's there's one particular play that I can recall right now doing with, with Obsidian. Oh, there it is. Gosh, I don't know where my brain just went. Um, Yes. Okay. So going back to to just leaving Stratford soon after that, I, my first show I did with Philip was Ruined. Lynn Nottage's play Ruined. Um, 
And then a couple years later, we did Shakespeare's Nigga, written by Joseph Jomo Pierre. And that led up to, to Master Harold and the Boys. And like one of the pitches so that I could play Sam talking to Jackie saying, working with Philip, he will not let me get away with anything. So I think, you know, being ballsy enough to just be like, hey, I think it's going to work out for everybody. It's going to be hard on me, <laughs> but you're going to get the results you want. Um, uh, yeah, so I like working with Philip, I find like I've, I've learned so much from him. And um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of the things that I guess I do now, I've have been implemented or all those sort of seeds have been planted from, from his sort of philosophy on how you take on a part or take on a play and finding your whole sort of journey. Um, so I, I appreciate that man so very much. Um, and working with, with other companies in town, like, yeah, working with Soul Pepper at the time has been, been cool and like well a lot of that was mainly kim's convenience and um well kim's started off at the fringe and um and then when it got picked up uh yeah i was able to go on tour with it and 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 yeah coming back to crows had a, i'm just trying to think it was yeah it was it was interesting because i was set to 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 do julius caesar with chris abrams and then do much ado about nothing right after at stratford so it was interesting to get in the room with with chris and and see his style of working and really tearing shakespeare apart and just kind of let's give it a new sort of a vibe because we can why not and you know some people loved it some people didn't and you know i'm i'm not against that you know i'm i'm, I'm all for being ballsy and taking a shot at at blowing things blowing things up and i think with our julius caesar it was it was cool it was cool and you know it was a nice opportunity to give people some more insight into the world around the time of Julius Caesar, because, you know, we just kind of start off the play and it's like, what's wrong with Caesar? Why is it so bad that, that he wants to be in charge or, you know, you know, what's, 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 what's the history behind that? Um, and finding a link to Coriolanus. So there was a, after playing Coriolanus, like was able to kind of slip back in as Casca and with an essence as as a as a different character of Coriolanus speaking on the past of Rome leading up to where we were. Um, so yeah, it was cool. It was cool to get a chance to work with Chris and um yeah and I I think that that particular opportunity helped, you know, lead to something coming up in the future in regards to um gloria which we can talk about a little later i guess right yeah um, yeah but just just to touch on what you just said too and i i, I really appreciate you saying this coming from you um the the idea of like not being afraid to sort of 
push back boundaries or like explode and uh, approach something without feeling squelched. I think, unfortunately, sometimes in the industry, like there's you think like you're you're in a box or there's something that's expected and that can sometimes rub off on like as on you on someone as like the artist of um and you sort of train your brain to follow that versus like so it's kind of tampering down what you could have to offer as the artist and I think unfortunately for various reasons like um that sort of uh, environment, like that, that sort of pressure can take away from what the experience could be, like from the artist. Um, so, so I, I think, yeah, like having, giving yourself the permission to explore and explode and be yourself on stage. I think a lot of people throughout their whole career could use that sort of reminder because I, I, um, even like myself breaking through, I do find I'm, I'm like not expressing myself fully all corners of myself because I think I'm not supposed to, or I shouldn't. Um, and that's just like, I think that's that, that odd balance of like art as, um, sort of like art as the career and also art as the expression and sort of like marrying those two is, is hard. Um, Yeah. So I feel like this is a beautiful segue to the next section because we kind of got a bit more personal. Um, and so on a more personal level, um, so I've seen on social media and you just mentioned your son just a second ago too. You're very active in your children's lives. And um, for anyone who knows me and probably our viewers by this time, um, kids and children like hold a special place in my heart. And I've had the opportunity to do a lot of TYA stuff and I have a little niece and, a little niece and nephew that are my pride and joy. Um, so I personally don't have any of my own yet, but I know in the future sometime um, I would love to do that too. And so I love seeing artists who are doing the thing and then also have a family as well and, and seeing that, that balance and that navigating of both of those spheres. But what, what is it like being a father in the industry? Because oh, it's, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> um, they're they're great um i have two so i have rian who is eight and naya who is five so um they're they're back at school now last year they weren't in school at all while they were in school remotely at home downstairs um but you know it's it's been it's been it's been interesting because i guess the past Let's say Reen is eight now. So we, when he was born, we were in Toronto, and and then Shaw happened, and I was at the Shaw Festival for three years, and then things started getting complicated with, you know, the Coriolanus offer happening, and which was a, like chance of a lifetime. So it was like, okay, we gotta go. And at the time, we didn't have a home base. So, well, I guess our home base at beforehand was in Toronto and then going to Shaw where they have uh, accommodations. So we stayed there and yeah, so, you know, you're, you're kind of living like a nomad for a little bit and 
he hadn't started school yet until well until a few years later um but i guess my was it quite a year that he started I'm trying to think back yeah okay so <laughs> when we went to go to stratford and then he had started junior kindergarten in in Stratford, or did he start? I'm losing my years. Okay. I had this started at Niagara Lake, and then we had to go to Stratford, and then after the Coriolanus, uh, nothing was happening at Stratford that particular following year. So we went back to Shaw and did Glass Menagerie and Sex, and then after that, getting an offer to go back for the 2020 season for for yeah what i had mentioned earlier on so it's just kind of like uh, uh bouncing all around yeah. what the hell In we do you were sort of getting all of all of the sort of momentum and alongside that your son was starting pivotal years of school and stuff yeah so it was it was hard and you know now now we have home base we're in hamilton now and um the, the 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 aim is whatever happens they stay here and i bounce around so um yeah it's 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 the one thing i've been saying over the years it's a hustle the industry is a hustle um and you know now the hustle is just uh, four time or four fourfold four times more because there's not just providing for myself there's um my son daughter and my wife and um yeah so it's it's I'm trying my best as i can <laughs> you know and it's day to day and you know i try as much as, uh, as best i can to plan forward as as i can and but you know over the past year where theater has been gone um, you know, that's why Private Idiots came out, or one of those, as I say, was one of those things that kind of saved me creatively, but was also part of the hustle too. And, you know, trying to think ahead of like, what are the next steps involved? Uh, auditioning like crazy for film and TV and, this past year, I guess one of the other saving graces has been booking some voice work for the first time. So um, I was able to do some animation work where I play a, can't call him a goldfish if he's green. <laughs> he's a fish who's green. Um, and this other one uh, called Summer Memories where I play this character by the name of Tiny Lewis, who's a little cool kid who has glasses and spiky hair, and he has my voice. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, I love this. <laughs> um, yeah, so tapping into that world for the first time, and I guess all that sort of stuff will come out in the new year. Um, but yeah, but like, you know, missing acting. You know, so getting up to Stratford to to do bottom was was amazing, and and 
doing private it is amazing as well because you're doing it as much as possible and but you know the the film and tv industry has been interesting and frustrating for me at the same time where I i think because i have so much theater on my resume um now that I just turned 39, so I'm about to be 40, and I have a little salt and peppery <laughs> action going on. Um, I don't know, like it's, it's, I've come close a lot over the past year and a bit with TV things, and just like, yeah, it's you and another guy. And I don't know, it's, you know, losing out on, on, what I feel like is the experience of my lack of, not, I won't say lack of experience behind the camera, lack of experience in the mainstream camera world of film and TV. Um, but I like, just want to play. The mediums are operate so different. Like yeah. in theater, it's like, um, you play the character with film, you are the character too, right? And I think yeah. that that's something that like non-actors don't really realize is that like as actors, that is, it, it takes like a different, even like a different mindset to kind of approach behind the screen yeah. and on the stage. Well, and I guess the the scale is different, right? So yeah. like on stage, you have a big voice. Um, but trying to find how to, well, sometimes I feel like a lot of acting on TV is, is, is a lot of whisper. Right. You're like <laughs> the like, green gold fish. Me? <laughs> coming, in, coming in with Coriolanus energy is a little, exactly. a little too much for this fish. <laughs> Put that into a whisper. Um, so yeah, I guess taking some time, taking some classes and, and um, working with some people who, who have worked a lot in the film industry just to kind of like help now i won't say scale it down but put it in the right sort of yeah it, scale is i guess scaling it down is 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 good way of putting it because like a lot of a lot of the time it's just like i'm speaking i'm speaking to you and right yeah. now i'm pretty close to my camera and i'm not pretending like there's anybody else beyond us it's a private moment between myself and you, you, you know, and then it's as opposed to filling the room or including anybody else, because it's not about that. Right. It's about well, yeah. everything right here. As far as I know. Totally. We're trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, but yeah, like going back to family, it's a hustle, right? So I'm, I, the need to provide is always kind of like, at the back of my head, just kind of like, hey, do your best work. Um, and and it'll pay off. So I'm trying to continue to be gentle with myself and, yes. and say, so important. you've done great additions, you know, so and it's just weird. We're just kind of like sending it out to the ether and hoping for a response. It's very I think that part of it right now is, is the hardest part of it is just kind of like anything yeah 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 anything um but you know just gotta stay positive keep going and mm -hmm. keep 
keep doing it. And, you know, one thing I say is like, you can wait for the phone to ring or you can be proactive and start creating things. So I feel like that was one thing that helped me last year. Um, I'm trying to think of other ways of being proactive for myself, of getting back to maybe doing some more writing and creating and yeah, well, as I say, diversifying the portfolio yes, <laughs> as I'm exactly. stepping into the directing world in the new year. And well, yes. I guess in the new year and right now, because all that preliminary work is being done now of talking with designers and and getting things in order. But yeah, I don't know. You just got to keep moving as best as possible. And like you said, being kind to yourself throughout, I think. Again, just like as an overlying message to all actors. <laughs> easier said like, than done, but it's like easier it's easier said than done. But I, I'm of the firm thing. Like again, if you talk about it or you say yeah. that you're gonna do it, like the chances are you're probably gonna do something positive <laughs> towards doing it. Yeah, because I, I, I feel that like it's so hard, and we're so we do have the blinders on of like I need this, I need to do this, or the pressures come into play. But it's like okay, also when we are playing. And we are doing things. It takes yeah. a lot of energy, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. And yeah. then throw on sort of everyday, like normal life tasks, such as family stuff, or even doing the laundry or like baking a meal, <laughs> um, you know, checking in with others. It's, it's so hard to forget that. And it's, I think it's just, again, it's easier said than done, but just remembering that reminder because it's very difficult. This, this work we do and taxing and yeah. I think it can it can have the potential to consume um, if, if you're not careful right so yeah yes um, but okay you kind of already sort of we already sort of swam toward I'll go I'll go with the green goldfish swam towards the next question of um, do you have any projects that are on the go or upcoming and if so what are they and where can we keep up with you so you sort of mentioned you're in the preliminary phases of January project? Uh, well, it's, well, we'll start rehearsals in February. And what that is, is uh, I will be directing Brandon Jacob Jenkins' Gloria at Crows. Uh, it's a production with ARC, which, which was formerly known as the Actors Repertory Company, but we just change it to arc because i don't think we've ever actually done repertory so <laughs> i think it made more sense but uh yeah so arc in association with with crows and yeah we have our amazing company of of actors coming coming into the mix to bring this particular show show to toronto and you know it's it's interesting for <clears throat> you know as we're talking about brendan jacobs Brendan Jacob Jenkins play his name is such a mouthful uh, an octoroon of where it is very in your face um, like north north no fourth wall and Gloria kind of goes back to your traditional sort of sense of theater of where you think you're protected by the fourth wall but the content is still very much on you, the audience. Um, so I look forward to it. And it, it has, I think it has a lot to say about how we, 
as a society deal with things, how we deal with each other, how we talk to each other, um, and how we treat each other. Um, and yeah, I th I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, there's some hard things in it, but there's some hard things about the world right now that we're either dealing with or ignoring. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to bringing it to the city with, with our, with our company of great actors and artists and, and the team behind it. I'm grateful for Crows for jumping behind us to, to use their space to, to bring this Canadian premiere. So I'm, I'm really excited. Really excited to step into it for the first time as a director. Is this your director? This is your directorial debut too. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Oh, so so for me, it's always been February. And yeah. And March 1st, we start previews and I think we open uh, March 4th. I think it's about like a three week run. Okay. Um, but yeah. Yeah, like I guess this this is the first play that like I've I've wanted to direct before, but the actor in me is like, if there's a part in there for me, I'm gonna play it. <laughs> so finding a play is like, okay, there isn't a part in there for me, but I love the play just as much that I wanna put my sort of stamp on it and and yeah, so I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to get on get in there and play and um take on these hard challenges and as i say you gotta step up to you gotta step up and get dirty sometimes and but that's so if that's for us to do so i guess the audience doesn't have to right and um yeah i'm looking forward to to getting in there and playing mm -hmm. the audience doesn't have to but possibly inspired or impacted to do as well like, do some work around it. Exactly. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's so exciting. Well, yeah, we'll definitely keep our eyes peeled um, as that sort of starts advertisements start going out for that. And uh, so looking forward to that. Um, and just to kind of let our viewers, listeners know, um, Midsummer Night's Dream is going to be released or is has been released to yeah. Stratfest Live at Home. Um, and we will be doing a panel reviewing that down the line too. And there might be a special guest on that panel coming down the line. Um, but yeah, so, so folks can definitely access to see you, your work is bottom in that. Um, and obviously, as we said with YouTube, private idiots, check it out. The whole series you can stream right there. And then, um, yeah, keep our eyes peeled for more. Andre Sills works behind oh. the table or on the stage. <laughs> um, great. So are there any, are there any uh, social media like handles or any other project plugs? You'd like uh, to well, I guess, I guess, yeah, as, as you mentioned, dream on, on Stratford set, Stratford set home, private idiots, you know, the whole, the whole series is about nine episodes. Yeah. 45 minutes. You can blast through blast through all nine episodes um and yeah keep your eye out for gloria in the new year um and yeah some memories and there'll be <laughs> my little green fish uh, I, I don't know if i can quite say what what the show is as, as of yet but um 
there isn't a proper title it's still kind of like code name title um but uh yeah looking forward to 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 that getting out in in the new year too where i've actually had to do some singing slash rapping which i normally don't do um that's why i think we led more towards the rapping style of to find my flow um but yeah yeah looking forward to it towards the new year and you know i think me oliver and dennis are going to try and do some more stuff with private idiots so keep your eyes peeled and we'll see what 2022 holds yeah lots of lots of things in the mix lots of things upcoming different hats love it like keeping keeping things just creative and any any path um great and can, where can folks can folks follow you? Um, um I'm on Instagram, uh, dre three seven three. On Twitter, Andre Sills three seven three. Yes, that's the main okay. places to check me out: Twitter and Instagram. Um, I am on, let's say, TikTok, but I haven't really done anything on there. As, I that, also have a lot of effort. Some people, so many people have told me I should, but I haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet because something tells me I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have time to the editing videos and yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Andre, for being here with us today. I know I have so enjoyed the time that we've spent now and talked about every sort of nook and cranny of the industry and of the artistry and, um, just knowing that you are are like flooding our stages today and all of this conversation is very much happening today um, is super beneficial to to me, to our viewers. And I, I hope folks tune in and, and feel the same. Um, so thank you so much for, for taking the time and sharing your wisdom with us today. My pleasure. <laughs> Um, so as always, folks, you can follow uh, me on my artist account, Jillian.Robinson96, um, and with Cup of Hemlock, uh, be sure to follow our social media, so Facebook, um, Instagram, and Twitter, and also uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, where if you're watching this today, don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, and then if you're listening to us today via our podcast, uh, don't forget to subscribe there too. So that is it for today. Um, Stay safe and healthy, everyone. And we will see you next time on The Cup. Cheers.